Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're listening to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. This spring, Upland Paracyclist Samantha Bosco was sitting on top of the world. She'd earned an ESPY nomination for Best Female Athlete with a Disability and had earned a place on Team USA for the 2020 Paralympics in Tokyo. But a devastating accident the month before the competition rendered her unable to compete, and her dreams of winning a gold medal were put on hold. But with the same bravery and determination that enabled her to overcome a botched surgery at the age of 11 that left her on crutches, she has decided that she is going for the gold at the Paralympics in Paris in 2024. She and her husband, Andrew, are here to tell her story. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. It's very fun and honoring to be here. So, Samantha, start at the very beginning. And by the beginning, I mean when you were born. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I was born in Alaska, actually, and I had a couple birth defects with my right leg, but that didn't really slow me down. At four years old, I had surgery to remove a curvature of my bone right above my ankle and didn't let that phase me one bit, even though my right leg was two and a half inches shorter as a result. I took up every sport you could think of and found mountain biking with my dad and kind of a family thing, but my dad and I are more of the competitive ones in the family. And so we decided (laughs) that mountain biking needed to be raced as well. And so I started racing really young. I think I was between seven and eight years old when we started and fell in love with the sport. Wanted to be a professional mountain bike racer and travel the world getting to race my bike and at 11 years old we had a limb lengthening surgery to make my legs the same length and that didn't go quite as planned spent three years on crutches had over a dozen surgeries and had to relearn how to walk so I kind of thought that that dream I had when I was nine years old was never going to happen because I didn't know if I would even end up on a bike again and i did it for a while. I actually took up rowing as a form of physical therapy because my ankle doesn't have much movement in it anymore. And rowing kind of helped keep the movement it did have. Took up rowing, got a scholarship to the University of Central Florida, and proceeded to destroy my knee rowing in college. Couldn't adjust for the leg length discrepancy that I still had. And so I had to retire from the sport my sophomore year of college and kind of went into this whirlwind of losing my sense of self. And my dad pushed me to get back on a bike. And so I started riding my bike again and realized that I wanted to race my bike because I'm still very competitive and started racing. Found out about paracycling in 2013, 2012, 2013 time. And 
my mom and I went up to Greenville, South Carolina in April of 2013 and had a fun mother-daughter bonding trip and participated in my first paracycling race and got invited to go to Spain with Team USA. And then later that year was named to the Team USA roster for World Championships and got a bronze medal in the time trial and have been on the national team ever since. When did you start thinking about the Paralympics? Oh, I had no idea about Paralympics, actually. I was working with a bike race promoter named Tim in Florida. Hi, Tim. (laughs) He and I were watching the live stream of the... 2012 women's road race olympic road race during an event we were putting on and he kind of nonchalantly said you know you could be there and i laughed at him and was like okay i ride with a leg and a half on a good day because i don't necessarily have the muscle or the range of motion that my left leg has and so i joked with him that there's no way and he said but there's the paralympics Mm. and that was the first real eye-opening experience to this whole other world of sport. And I got online, did some research, found that I potentially could classify as a paracyclist because I did have a disability, and found a race in Greenville where they would have classifiers that I could see that would determine if I was indeed eligible to be a paracyclist. And so we went up to Greenville and got seen by classifiers and started racing bikes and it turned out that it wasn't any different than the world of able body they call it it wasn't any different than the world of able body cycling and sport if anything it was even more eye-opening because you have a group of people that have either been born with a disability or have acquired some sort of disability in their life and they haven't let them stop them and to me it was just so amazing to see all these people still giving it their best and training even harder to do something they loved. And I've loved cycling my whole life. And so for me, it was a no-brainer to keep pursuing this avenue and the people I've met along the way and the stories I've heard and the opportunities I've gotten because of it. I would keep doing it until I can. (laughs) (laughs) So you wound up going to the Paralympics in Rio de Janeiro in 2016. Tell us about that. Oh, man. (sighs) I love Rio and I love the whole process of it. I didn't know there was a Paralympic Games even when I started paracycling. And as I started getting more immersed in that world, I realized that there was a Paralympic Games and that I potentially could go. So that be kind of became the new dream for Andrew and I. And we started training really hard and I gave everything I had to put all of my eggs in that basket, if you will. And really just fought for it and made the team and didn't realize until probably three days before I was supposed to travel to Rio that I had fulfilled that nine-year-old girl's dream of being a professional cyclist and traveling the world to get to race my bike. And so once I got to Rio, it was even bigger of an experience because I was bringing all of my journey with me and all of the love and hope and fun aspects of cycling with me. And so I just remember going to Athlete Village and just wanting to take it all in. And Rio was such a great place for it because all of the fans were just so excited and they were cheering and they were dancing and they were having a good time. And on the para side of things, we don't necessarily get a lot of spectators at events. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to Rio, that was my first my first experience having a packed velodrome and my first experience having so many people lining the roads for the road race and the time trial 
that it was just so fun to take in and so liberating. And then I got a bronze medal for my first race, the first day of competition, and still cannot put into words all of that feeling. It was like a tangible object of all of the hard work I've put in, of all of the support I've gotten, of my team putting in the hard work to help get me there and just getting to really enjoy it and bring something home that I could see and remember all of those feelings and all of the lead up and the experience of it. And so it was just this incredible feeling that I still cannot put into words. <laughs> Before we get to 2020, Andrew, I want to ask when you came into the picture, because it seems like for both of you, your whole life is cycling. Our life is pretty, yeah, surrounded by cycling. Sam and I met at the, I was competing at the Elite Amateur National Championships, and Sam was competing at the Paranational Championships in Madison, Wisconsin in 2013. So we met through a mutual friend who I was staying with during that race time. And the group of us went to uh, dinner a few times. And as they say, the rest was history. (laughs) (laughs) So you did pretty well at the 2016 Paralympics. At what point did you decide Tokyo 2020 is next? Mm, Good question. I think I always... Was there never even a question about it? I don't think there was a question about it because I love cycling so much and I love the atmosphere of it and the people that I've met and the friends that I get to see on Team USA trips and World Cups overseas. So for me, it wasn't a matter of I'm going to go to Rio and then I'm going to retire. It was I just want to keep riding. And if I get to go to Tokyo, then I get to go to Tokyo. Like I'm still going to put in that chance for Team USA for another Paralympic Games and I plan on continuing and I have this vision of getting to race my bike in L.A. 2028 and have everyone who has been a part of the journey in some way or another or just anyone who loves cycling get to see it and get to see me race. And I get to see that they're having a good time watching all of this and being inspired and having just this joy for life and joy for competition and for watching people give their best and be their best. So it was never a question of whether or not I wanted to go. I still want to go. I want to go to as many games as I possibly can just because I genuinely love the feeling of giving my best on any given day and seeing others do the same and motivating me to be even better. And so Tokyo was always on the table. So as we know, the games were delayed a year. What was that year like for you while you waited to compete? I tell people that it was kind of a blessing in disguise for me because it gave me the opportunity to not focus so much on racing, but actually just riding. And Mm. my coach even had me not have this structured training plan. I just didn't have to lose a certain amount of fitness and I didn't want to gain too much fitness that it didn't correlate to the lead up for Tokyo if it happened the next year. And so we kind of had the idea to just ride our bikes for fun. And I kind of wanted to be a tourist. So the first chance I got to pick a a route or a weekend planned I wanted to go to the Hollywood sign and so we got a our little bubble of training group if you will 
on Sunday, went to the Hollywood sign. We rode 100 miles to go wow. play tourist. And it was really fun. It was the first time I've actually been to the Hollywood sign. <laughs> and I honestly, I was kind of bummed that you got to the backside of it and there was no way to get to the right. front. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it was so much fun that we kind of started riding 100 miles every weekend. And I just fell more in love with just the simple act of riding and getting outside and being around people you love and enjoying something together. So I kind of had that newfound, like a kid first learning to ride a bike without training wheels feeling. So for me, it was even more excitement leading up into the following year because I had the opportunity to just rediscover the roots of it and go back to basics and kind of feel like I was a little kid again, getting to try new mountain bike trails and conquer the trails and conquer the world in my head. And so that whole year, the process was fun for me to get to ride. And I got to give myself a little bit more freedom to work with nonprofits and volunteer a little bit in that aspect and did that until it was time to refocus on the lead up to Tokyo in 2021. I'm speaking with Paralympic cyclist Samantha Bosco. Leading into this summer, everything is going great. You've got an ESPY nomination. You're on Team USA for Tokyo. Crown Toyota gets you the Team USA RAV4. And then everything feels like it falls apart. (laughs) Tell us about that. Oh, man. I still don't remember it. And a good chunk of me doesn't want to remember it. But we had just been home for a day, a day and a half just after going to Paralympic trials and getting to celebrate getting named to the Team USA roster for Tokyo when Andrew and I decided that we were going to go to the normal Wednesday night group ride and kind of get to celebrate with our cycling friends my getting named to the team and all of the hard work leading up to the games or leading up to trials paying off. And somewhere in... The first 30, 40 minutes, there was an unavoidable crash, and some people went down in front of me that I couldn't avoid, and I went down on top of them and hit my head pretty good and suffered a skull fracture and some trauma to my head. You wound up in the hospital. I did. Andrew, tell us what was going through your head when all of this is going on. I... Remember, this is the radio, so don't use bad words, yeah. <laughs> which is probably really what was going through your head. Yeah. I mean, in the moment of the accident, it was uh, do everything I possibly can to make sure that she was okay. <clears throat> it's going to be hard not to get choked up. I did what I knew Sam would do for me, which is take as much care of her as I could and be there for her the entire time. And I know that she doesn't necessarily remember the first few days, but uh, it was a pretty difficult time. And... Once you got out of the hospital, you still had a singular focus, and that was Tokyo. Yes, yes. I, I'm very competitive to the point where I can be too stubborn, and I didn't want to believe anything was wrong. It was really hard waking up in the hospital and not knowing why I was in the hospital. And then I saw my brother and my mom there, and I knew something was wrong And I'm partially glad that my dad had to stay home to take care of the dogs and stuff at the house so that my mom and brother could jump on a plane last minute to come out this way. Because if I saw him, I I 
probably would have broke down because I knew that it it was beyond serious because at that point seeing my family there I already knew it was serious and so for me I didn't want to even entertain the idea that I couldn't go to Tokyo because that was what the dream was and that was what the last five years of my life was that was what the last five years of Andrew's life was that was the last five years of my family's life all of these people that were supportive and helping and I just felt like it would have been detrimental to not go to the games and I didn't want to let anyone down I guess if you will so for me the goal was always to get back and get back into fighting shape to go to Tokyo and to board that plane I didn't think I was that bad and whether or not that's my own trying to put off the accident itself um I thought I could get to Tokyo and I thought that I could maintain the fitness that I had leading into trials and give it a go for a medal at the games and it wouldn't be such a traumatic event if I got to go there so that was always it was always the focus it was always I'm good now because I'm still here and I'm still walking and talking and I have so much fight in me that I didn't see the possibility that I couldn't go. And as we know, that didn't happen. Yeah. How disappointing was that? Oh, it was devastating. Um, It was hard because it brought back feelings of the injury happening and then the turmoil of it and the emotional aspect of it and just seeing my dream of going to the games fall apart and it was hard because I felt like it was such a joyous time and then it wasn't. The first time that you and I had planned to do this interview we had scheduled it and then it wasn't something that you were ready to do. Why is it something that you're ready for now? Part of me feels like I'm almost never going to be ready for it. And it's still hard to talk about. It's still hard to process, and I'm still processing it. And I still feel like it happened yesterday, but at the same time, it feels like it happened so long ago that for me, I'm ready because this is a part of my story, but it's not the whole story. And I want to use this to make me stronger and make me a better person and a better athlete And I want to continue the journey and use this as fuel to get to Paris 2024. When you first messaged me and said, I'm so sorry, I can't do this interview. I'm not ready yet. It reminded me of another athlete who was, I I don't think it's fair to compare situations, but it really reminded me of Simone Biles stepping down and saying, I need to take care of me. I need to take care of my mental health. I'm not going to participate in this competition. And I think there is bravery in that because we, I feel like we're all taught to take care of ourselves physically, but it's just as important to take care of ourselves mentally and emotionally as well. Do you agree? Absolutely. hundred percent agree. If anything, I've learned that in the process of this, the main focus was physical which rightfully so, I had physical injury and I had to kind of relearn some things 
moving forward and to get back to some sort of normalcy to what I was before the injury. And I worked on the physical aspect and then it almost seemed like once I was physically okay enough, then the emotional took over. And the emotional has been a longer journey for me, in my opinion, than a physical aspect of it. And I am a huge advocate for mental health and a huge believer in giving yourself that time and working with a a sports psychologist or somebody to talk to to even just work through moments of hardship whether it's a family member or a friend is huge because I could not I could not do this and get through this without Andrew without my family without my own personal sports psychologist without sponsors who have turned into friends Crown Toyota has been amazing and Shelly with Crown Toyota has been like family her and Paxton have become family before this happened but the love that she has shown me through all of this is just incredible and it's so rewarding to me on a mental level because it shows me that I'm not alone in that I'm okay going through the emotional aspect and the support from Andrew for that has been tremendous because it's allowed me to really be okay working through the emotional side of things because it is taking longer than the physical and some days are better than others and it's gonna be a journey and it's one that I have to take but I know in my heart that it's gonna make me stronger because of it. You mentioned feeling like you had let everyone down. Was there a concern in maybe the back of your mind prior to the accident that the love that you had felt from the community was maybe conditional? No. I think that for me, the second games was a time to celebrate it a little bit more. I think that going to Rio was such an experience and one that I had certain people help me take a moment and enjoy it and embrace it and so for me I feel like Tokyo was getting the chance to kind of share it a little bit more with everybody and I have such a great team behind me and so many great people that I wanted to share it with them and I wanted them to be excited too and to feel like they were a part of it also and so for me it was hard to take the injury on that aspect because I couldn't fulfill going to Tokyo and initially for me it felt like just making the team to go to Tokyo wasn't enough it had to be me there and showing everybody that we physically got there other than just making the team and now you've got your eye on Paris 2024 yes when does training start for that I feel like training has always started for that. (laughs) It was just a matter of Tokyo versus Paris. And when Tokyo didn't happen for me, it just changed into Paris, I guess. Because (laughs) I'm very fortunate in that one of my good friends, who I call Doc, (laughs) he was there right from the beginning also. And he set me up with an amazing support system to give me the medical attention I needed and the physical therapy I needed to 
get me further along faster. And it's built the confidence in me that I'm continuing to work in the right direction and continuing to get my brain stronger and my my health back. So there's always been training towards something. Now that I'm far enough along, I'm starting to build even more intensity into training to see how that goes. And like the emotional side, that's some days better than others. So that's been a lesson in being patient with myself and checking in with Doc and with everyone else on my support to help with the rehabilitation and the recovery process. But I'm always training. I'm always thinking about doing one thing better that can get me closer to Paris. A lot of people may not realize this, but U.S. Olympic athletes and Paralympic athletes don't get paid for training. So in addition to this intense regimen, you also have bills to pay. Oh, How yeah. do you balance everything? Uh, I'm still learning that one, actually. <laughs> we have done a very good job of budgeting and knowing what we need for any given year. And thankfully, I am part of the national team, which gets a little bit of a stipend to help cover equipment or some training costs. And we work really hard. Andrew's been working really hard. I do some side stuff here and there when I can, when I have the time. And I'm thankful for personal sponsors because without them, it would be a really difficult time. And as far as the bills coming in, I'm just waiting to see how it goes and trying not to stress about it because that's not good for my recovery. Now, athletes don't get paid for training, but they do get paid for the medals that they bring home. And up until recently, there was a disparity in pay for Olympians versus Paralympians. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, the Paralympians got one-third of the podium or medal bonus as our Olympian counterparts. But that changed... I want to say two years ago when it was decided that there would be equal pay for games medals for Olympians and Paralympians. And so they, I think the 2018 games was the first one that got it as a kind of a grandfathered in to that announcement. And then 2020 was the first summer games that the Paralympians would receive the equal pay for the medals. What does that mean for you? And I don't mean in terms of money. I think it's huge. I think that it sets the stage to continue showcasing the Paralympians in a way and to show the world that Paralympic athletes are just as important to the Olympic athletes and that we all have meaning and stories to share and we all work incredibly hard and it's kind of like a way of showing us that there's a reason for that hard work. When people hear the name Samantha Bosco, what do you hope comes to mind? Courage. I think that if anything, I would love for people to hear my name and know part of my story and to know that I haven't given up and that I won't give up. 
And I hope that it helps them see that they don't have to give up either. I've been speaking with Paralympic cyclist Samantha Bosco. She's got her eye on Paris 2024. How can we follow you on your journey? You can follow me on Instagram mostly, but Twitter and Facebook also at Sammy Cranks, S-A-M-M-I-E, Cranks. And that's where I share a lot of my everyday life. And I have a website, sambosco.com, which also has links to all the social media. Thank you so much for talking with us today. Thank you for sharing your inspirational story. And we are rooting for you for 2024. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular-season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.